You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The building that sits next to NRG Stadium is going bye-bye. We say a final farewell. Hello, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast alongside my partner and co-host Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Welcome to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We are part of the FanRag Sports Network. If you're just joining us for the first time and I hope you guys can bear with me because I'm losing my voice. I got a cold. This might be my last show this week for for a day or two if I lose my voice as the week goes along. And Brian, NFL in Houston all started at the Astrodome. And I know you just got back from the Dome coming, which was the fans' last chance to see the Astrodome before they renovate the Dome. What was it like to be out there? Oh, it was an incredible frenzy as far as people just waiting to to get inside. Um, I tried to do this they had opened up the dome back in 2015 at the 50th anniversary right around this time and uh the line stretched out um just to kind of give you a visual you had to go scan your ticket and then go in line and the line wrapped around the uh, astrodome so you had to make a full 360 before you got to the entrance and pretty much you go under where the uh the shipping the trucks and all that goes down to the field that's how you got in not through the main entrances where you walk up to the steps and um as you as you guys probably know who's listening Houstonian native Houstonians the ramps the wheelchair ramps the ramps that you used to could take to get up there they've been demolished so they no longer exist there were many different ways to get in to the building but uh, everyone came in the same area but um they had food trucks they had um they had a band uh playing the old Houston Oilers fight song you know it just brought back old memories and um, I was uh, with a, a longtime friend and coworker of mine. He no longer works uh, at the uh, company I work for for my day job, but uh, he but we had some good times, you know, with uh, his uh, father-in-law and his mother-in-law, and uh, just you know, shot the breeze about everything. But going inside into the Astrodome, I wanted to know what it smelled like, and it. <laughs> It, it smelled like a 50-year-old building. It really did. You could smell the dust. You could smell the rust. You you just had a sense of history. And like the moments that I had when I was a kid, whenever I walked in, they all came back into play. I walked right by Lefty's Pub, you know, the bar that's on field, you know, right at field level. All the bar stools and the chairs, they're all dusty. They're all stacked up on top of each other. And I remember when I sat in the field box right next to there, you know, all those memories came back. Just about all the seats have been pulled out of the Astrodome because they did a sale of those a couple years back. And then they did a previous sale two years before that, but they have kept some seats up in the sky box, some of the rainbow seats. So they're still there. I think they have to keep them in there for it to keep it. I was talking to some people there to keep that national uh, landmark status because it's officially a national landmark so that way it would be preserved. And by the way, the dome is not going away, but in the current state as it is, the way we remember it, it will no longer be that case. They're going to raise the ground level um, a few feet. Cars are going to park under there. It's going to hold about 1,500 spaces, 1,400 if I'm not mistaken. And up on the floor is going to be exhibition space. Problem with the Houston Livestock and Rodeo was that they 
there was a waiting list of people trying to get exhibition space out there um, in our G Center. Even with all the facilities they have, they still had a waiting list. This is going to open that up, and this is going to make money. They're going to spend $105 million. Partly, some of that's going to come from the general fund, and then a lot of it's going to be from hotel and car taxes. A lot of people have problems with that. I personally do not. On both referendums uh, to keep the dome, I voted yes, and I am proud to say that I did because this is a building that means a lot to me. That's why I was there. I waited an hour and a half in line. It wasn't a long time as it was back in 2015. I didn't get in in 2015 because I waited three hours. Um, I got there about five. It was eight o'clock, and I still wasn't even near the entrance to uh, the dome, so I decided to give up. I'm so glad they opened it up one last time because this time I damn sure was going to uh, to get inside there. Um, just some of the scenes that I, that when I walked through, uh, Mike Acosta, the uh, authentication manager with the Astros, he was answering questions. He was right there, you know, showing his bling bling with a ring and everything. And, you know, he's very knowledgeable, and I've met him before uh, whenever, you know, I go to uh, FanFest. Haven't been in a couple of years, but he's usually a fixture there as well to answer your questions. Um, Scott Boucher with the Houston Gamblers. If you guys remember the the Houston Gamblers back uh, in the uh, the early '80s, um, that was a another league uh, outside of the NFL. Um, guy did block for Terry Bradshaw and Jim Kelly, and he showed me his ring. And um, I got some pictures with him. Uh, Harold Bailey with the Oilers. If you remember him, uh, he was there uh, as well. And uh, the championship trophy, the, the Astros. World Series trophy was there as well, although they didn't let fans take pictures with it. They kind of had a barricade around it, but you can take pictures nearby it. So, you know, I'm, I'm good with my camera so I can make the angles work to where it looks like I'm standing next to it. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a terrific, it was an incredible experience. Um, but that was the main thing. How is this going to smell? How is it going to look when I walked in and it, the one of the things about the Astrodome is the roof. I, I love the roof. Unfortunately, you know, they had to paint those tiles, you know, very early in because the sun, they couldn't see the fly balls, but still that sun still comes in through there. And it, it's just an incredible photo opportunity. And I got a lot of those um, as well. But uh, the dome holds a special place in my heart and it's going to live on. You know, I'd always said that if the dome was going to be uh, demolished, I was going to have my lawn chair. I was going to have a case of cold beer with my shades on and watch it come down because it, it, it's a building that is truly special to me. But don't have to worry about that. It's going to be here for uh, for ages, you know, whatever, the, you know, the purpose that they intend to do with it, with the, you know, exhibition space. I know they're going to probably use it for other things as well, but I think it's still money well spent. Yeah, you told me that the tickets were free online, but they were going for 50 bucks on eBay and Craigslist from what I heard. And I just wondered what the emotions were like out there. Uh, did you see anybody, any tears, anything like that? Was there a lot of Oilers, people wearing their Oilers gear out there? Absolutely. Yeah, you saw a lot of Oilers gear, a lot of old Astros gear. Because um, in, you know, they have, they're on social media, the Astrodome Conservancy Committee. They, you know, encourage people to wear all their old attire. And I have an Astro shirt that has that old logo from uh, 1965, you know, with the star. It's like a starburst out the front. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a shooting star logo. And they, 
they re-ran that, oh, a couple years ago, part of the Cooperstown collection. Had to get a shirt. I loved it. And um, I wear it with pride. And I, I had made the decision I was going to wear that shirt uh, today because it is one of my favorite logos outside of the one uh, with the rainbow back in the uh, the late 70s uh, going into the 80s uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, lots of uh, tear, tears. I don't really didn't really see any tears. I just saw a lot of people, they were kind of getting impatient because, you know, it, it was a wait. You know, I kind of had the impression since they had limited how many people could go in that I could just walk through the door and I'm in and out. But no, that's not the case. But they moved the line pretty well this time. Um, it was a lot better than it was three years ago where it was. It looks like it was extremely unorganized. They did a better job within the, the flow of the people was a lot better. Most of the emotions that I saw were whenever we went in for the first time, you would see jaws drop. You know, especially kids who had probably never been in that building in their lives, they're trying to wonder, you know, what's the, uh, what's so grandiose about it? You know, what, what are the, uh, the best assets about this building? The reason why it existed? Why is everybody wanting inside? And um, it, it's just amazing. It, it tells a story. And some of the old uh, billboards, you know, like with Continental Airlines and, um, you know, Reliant Energy, the old logo before, you know, they came NRG and, and whatnot. They're still holding up over there. Uh, part of the scoreboard still there. Of course, as you guys know, the original scoreboard that made this, you know, dome such an iconic, you know, figure was, you know, torn down whenever they did the renovation in 87, you know, when they added uh, more seats uh, to the stadium. You know, that was all about Bud Adams wanting to, you know, <laughs> he was threatening to move the team. And, you know, this was a way to appease him. And eventually he wanted another stadium again and we wouldn't get it to them. And as you know, they became the Tennessee Titans. So um, you guys know how that goes, but uh, truly a special um, event to be in lots of uh, different displays. Uh, like there, uh, there were some models of the Astrodome, the concept of the original one and the wireframe whenever they were building it. And then also whenever they were, doing the renovations in 87 they had a scale model of that that must have been like on display when they were trying to pitch it uh, to voters and to pitch it to uh, those who were going to be investing money into it or whatnot but uh yeah it just it it, it flowed really well and everyone around there was who worked there was uh, pretty cordial um nice um yeah, they answered my questions and uh just a very very good fan friendly, family-friendly experience as well. It did rain a little bit uh, before I got in, but before it got worse, um, I was already inside. So Sounds sounds like a great deal, and uh, you know, I wish I could have been out there for that. Uh, in just a minute, though, we're about to hear from one of our listeners who had an interesting question about the last days of the Oilers you know, in the Dome and, and what that was like. But first, I just want to remind everybody real quickly, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, do us a favor, tell your friends. Let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. We're the perfect anecdote for the long car ride to work and heavy H-Town traffic. And, hey, if you're a fan of the show, record a message for us, maybe using the voice memo on your phone, and email the voice memo to LockedOnTexans at mail.com, and we'll use it on the show. Okay, I want to play for you a question from one of our listeners. And this seems like the perfect time to get into this with many Houstonians taking their last chance to look at the Dome. Justin is a guy who listens to us from 
his little town in South Wales, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but I think it's Lanethly. Uh, it might be wrong, but it's spelled L-L-A-N-E-L-L-I. So I, I looked it up. It looks like, sorry, Justin, it's Lanethly is what it looks like to me. Uh, Justin knew I'd probably screw that up. But anyway, let's hear from Justin himself and what he wanted to ask us. I was born in Houston back in 1983, and you can probably hear from my accent, um, I spent a lot of time in the UK after my family moved there when I was a child. I grew up as an Oilers fan, but over the years, because football wasn't very popular over here, and the, you know the internet wasn't really a thing back then, my attention just turned to soccer because that's what was popular, and I, um, I lost touch with the Oilers during that period when they moved. And I didn't really start following the Texans till after they'd already established themselves in Houston. And in your podcast on, uh, I think it was March the 11th, Robert, you mentioned you were previously an Oilers fan. And it just made me realize that although, you know, I've read stuff online about the transition, I've never really heard from fans what it was like being a football fan in Houston at that time, what it was like when the Oilers left, what it was like when the Texans arrived, what those early years were like you know, for the fan base and how it evolved really in, in the subsequent years. So that would be something that would really interest me. I don't know if it would interest anyone else, maybe fans from around the world um, who don't live in Houston as well. But as I say, thanks for everything you do and uh, do keep up the good work. Great question from Justin, who also said he'd love to come back to Houston with his wife and kids to see a Texans game. That'd be pretty cool. Now, Brian, I left Houston for college in 89, didn't get back here except for a couple of summers, and some holidays over the next 12 years. Man, it was just awful to see them leave from afar, especially because I grew up in that Love You Blue era, which was just a magical time. They absolutely own the city of Houston. But, Brian, you were right here, 1996. How old were you at that time? I was 16, and it was 1996. And uh, the feeling back then was, you know, there was a huge resentment with Bud Adams uh, as an owner that – you know, he would always try to, to get his way. I mean, we had already given him a renovation um, about 10 years earlier uh, where the stadium uh, was, there was more seats that were added uh, to that point. And then now he wants a new stadium. And at the time, it, there was a vote put out for it, but, um, you know, we voted no on it. So he went on and moved the team to Tennessee. And those years were rough um, until, you know, 2002, uh, whenever we got our team but, you know, going into those early years with the Texas, it really didn't matter if we won, um, if we won big. You know, we knew that the team was going to be in its infancy. We were just glad to have football in Houston. And that is why we have sold out every game since that 2002 uh, season, because Houston loves its football. In the Houston Texans are here to stay. They are not going anywhere because they are one of the most profitable teams in the NFL. If I'm not mistaken, they are in the top five um, they may have fallen a little bit out of that. They should be maybe about six or seven last time I checked, but they should be right there in terms of uh, revenue generated. Uh, at last time I did a piece on something like that with houseofhouston.com. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just great to have football back in Houston. But the time, you know, whenever that happened, yeah, I it, it was just, you know, we, we were okay with it. You know, we were going to figure it out somehow. And again, um, I wouldn't say I was a diehard Titans fan, but you, you were kind of rooting for the guys that were playing in different color or, you know, in the same colors, but, you know, in a different city. Yeah, speak for yourself on that one. I, yeah, I was, I was never a Titans fan. And as soon as Bud left, uh, it was uh, don't let the door 
hit you in the butt, you know, from afar. I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, from my perspective, you know, I wasn't here. I, I wouldn't say, you know, I was necessarily like, hey, get get out of town because, you know, you, you might never give it, get an NFL team back. If you do, it's going to take years and years. But it was made so much easier for me, I can tell you, Brian, just not being here because, you know, I, there wasn't the the thing where my, my team was like here one day and, and gone the next. I was in another city. I, I couldn't watch the games necessarily on television all the time. Uh, so it, it's real different when you're not living in the city and you're not close to ground zero. You're not listening to sports radio. This was back, you know, they left at the time where the Internet was in its infancy. So you weren't uh, being able to just easily pick up maybe a radio station from wherever you were, whatever town that you were in, or if you were located somewhere else. So that attachment that you had, that daily thing uh, wasn't there. You know, I, I think 96, it was just around the time where you, the internet started to be a thing where you went on regularly, but you weren't, you know, getting on there, reading the paper online. You weren't getting a paper. You know, I, I was living in, in Little Rock at that time, Little Rock, Arkansas, and I wasn't necessarily getting the team at where I was you know, you being right here, it's a, it's a much different story, but you know, I, I, from what I remember, uh, from that time, from the people that I've talked to, it it helped a lot that the Rockets had just come off of two championships. Right. I mean, because if you're a Houston sports fan and you're here, it's the Rockets. I know some people, you know, we do a Texan show. So, you know, you got people that are only NFL fans they're only football fans, but the people in Houston in general, if you're in the city, you're generally a Rockets fan, an Astros fan, and they just won the two championships. The Astros were starting to build something with Biggio and Bagwell. So you had all that going on, of course, right? Those teams at the time, you know, Rockets were still doing pretty good fresh off those championships. You know, they had put something together, you know, where they, you know, were you know, short and going all the way uh, that year. And then uh, it, it, with the Astros as well, they were making the playoffs uh, on the regular. So we still had, you know, good teams to watch. And even though we didn't have a football team, I, I don't think the Oilers were doing all that well at the time, if I'm not mistaken. But you had stars like Steve McNair and you had Eddie George. But McNair wasn't a star when he left. I mean, he was just a guy, I think, at, at the point that he left that, that was sitting on the bench. Uh, for the most part, Eddie George was maybe starting t- to do something, but really yeah. the, the the Oilers at that time were in, in total rebuild mode. They up until '93, they were you know they went to the playoffs from I think it was '87 every year up until '93, and then all of a sudden the, they had a bunch of money. They they changed the whole NFL, changed the whole system to where uh, they they brought in the cap. I think they started to to cap stuff out. So the Oilers had all of these guys, all of these great players, Pro Bowlers. Some of them would end up in the Hall of Fame, obviously, and you couldn't pay for all of those guys. They also mistakenly bet on Cody Carlson instead of Warren Moon for a, for a time. They, they let Warren Moon go, uh, and, and they realized maybe that was a mistake. And, of course, you know, they, they end up drafting uh, Steve McNair, but you know, that, that was going to take some time to develop most young quarterbacks outside of somebody like Sean Watson, obviously. They, ta- yeah. they take some time to develop. But, I mean, if you look at where the Oilers were at that time, it was like – you know, Bud had kind of pissed everybody off. And, and I think because of everything else that was going on, people were a little bit more willing to, to let it happen. I, I want to talk more about when the Texans first got here, Brian, but um, just before I do quick reminder, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at locked on Texans at mail.com. If you've got a question or you've got uh, so, something you would like to send to us and we can answer it just like we did, Justin, if you forget 
any of that information, just go to the show subscription description of each podcast. We're looking for contributors to our website as well, LockedOnTexans.com. If you're interested in being a part of all this, uh, Locked On Texans, the FanRag Sports Network, let us know. And when you're done with today's podcast, take a few seconds, rate us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Hey, it just helps people find our show, and that means we can keep bringing it to you. Brian, when the the Texans started up, I I tell you what, I got back here in 2001 and I ended up moving just across 610, uh, right right across the street, basically, uh, from where they were building NRG Stadium. So NRG Stadium was going up. And for me, just getting back here and and the Texans starting up, you know, it might have been different for the people that had sort of been here the whole time. But I can tell you when the Texans started up, it was like, hey, I got that fresh start, at, you know, after coming back into town. It was like, oh, cool, we get a, we get a new team. You know, it's, it, it's a, it, it may, maybe they'll have some different luck than the Oilers did. Um, you know, I had no idea what to expect with, with these guys and had no idea what to expect with Bob McNair as an owner. Um, had no idea what Charlie Castler was going to do. That was the, the first big hire, of course. And, and then they, they, they brought in Capers. And I was excited about Capers because of, he did some really good things at Carolina uh, as, with them as an expansion pro, expansion team. But, you know, for me, the Texans coming along, it was, it, you know, it takes a while for you to develop that allegiance, to, to, to your hearts into the team like you would have been the Oilers. But I think it was easier for me because I just came in, you know, kind of fresh with it. Did, did you find it hard the first couple of years to get into the Texans? Um, I was I was able to get acclimated right away. Um, just the fact that football was back in Houston, um, it it wasn't a problem with me. Uh, but my expectations weren't you know extremely high because I knew we it, it was going to be a while before we would be good. And honestly, it wasn't until about 2011, 2010, where you started to see a trend upward. You saw a little bit of in 2010. So that's a good eight years, you know, before things started to get really serious. And, um, you know, I, I, my expectations uh, were, were very low and I was just happy to be at games. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what the rest of the fan base is. You, I still hear people on the radio occasionally. Um, you still talk to people that say, ah, I can't, I'm not, I, I just never have gotten into this team. Like I did the Oilers. It, they, they never just had me like they did the Oilers for some people, the Oilers. I mean, it's kind of like your first love and, and, trying to love the next girl that comes along or the next guy, uh, depending on, you know, whatever, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit to, to, to get that uh, feeling where you're, you're into the relationship, you're willing to give up your heart to, to a team. And, and I'm hoping more people are, are there with this team. And, you know, I, I understand, I mean, I don't know about you, Brian, but I, I get it. I get that people, uh, find this team a little bit hard to hug and hold on to and, and, uh, you know, get affectionate with, I guess you might say. Uh, but it just seems like, um, you know, you've got guys that have made it easier. I mean, I think JJ helps. Uh, I think Deshaun is going to help. Um, you, you, we're starting to get guys in here that I think people can, can really get attached to with, with JJ and Deshaun over the last few years. Whereas the first, whereas the early years, there wasn't really that guy. I mean, Andre was the, was the one guy, but Andre, you know, he's not, you know, he's not out there. He wasn't, he was, he just wasn't the type that, uh, you know, was a big talker that you felt like, uh, 
was somebody that you could latch on to emotionally because Andre never didn't show you a whole lot of emotion unless he was beating up Cortland Finnegan or something like that. So I, I think it's, I think they're getting there and I think it's still going to, it still seems like it's going to take a few more years and it's such a weird city because we're so transient and you get so many people moving in and out that it, it, it's just hard in, in a city like this where people are always moving in and out. It's hard for people, uh, to, the fan base to get, uh, sometimes as excited or get their heart into it as, as other fan bases, I think. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And uh, yeah, it, it, it is kind of that way. And I kind of like how you you phrase that, you know, with it's like your ex-wife, you know, your first wife leaving you and then you, you go in and get a new wife, but she's not quite as good as your first, but you understand why the split was made in the first place. So um, with the Texans, you know, I think there's still a whole bunch of love. I mean, just like when I was a kid where you saw all Derricks, the blue all Derrick all over their cars, you know, you see that here with the Texas even more so, you know, and then all kinds of designs and, and, and whatnot. So the, the Texans uh, pride is, is very strong here uh, in Houston, especially now that they are winning. Yeah. And Justin, I, Justin, anybody that would be interested in this, I mean, I'd really urge people to go to my Houston sports talk podcast, go look for, I, I believe it. I called it love you blue classic. And I, have talked to so many of the Oilers, uh, the people that were around over the years. And what's really special is talking about those Love You Blue Air Oilers, especially, and what, what was going on in this city. And I talked to guys like Dan Pastorini and Robert Brazil, uh, the new Hall of Famer Robert Brazil, uh, also Hall of Famer Elvin Bethay, uh, but quite a few of the guys about, and, and, and also the media, John McClain, who covers the Texans and covered the Oilers. And, and as well as Tom Franklin, who was the voice of the Oilers in the early 90s, but he covered the team throughout the entire 80s and was around back into the 70s and stuff like that. So there's all of those people that kind of give you a perspective of what was going on with the Oilers and Love You Blue. It was a special t- time. The, the town was this much smaller town. It wasn't this huge metropolis that it's become. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't as much a transient city people that had been here had been here for a, for a longer time even though the city was relatively new the, the people you know had been back maybe a couple of generations now uh it seems like so many people had just got here you know so it's different but uh that 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 podcast is definitely worth checking out but yeah great question by justin hey if you got a question again just a reminder it's locked on texans at mail.com send us a voice memo let us know we'll We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, good stuff from Justin. Uh, don't forget that Brian's got everything covered on House of Houston, a fan side affiliate. Go check out his and his staff stories on houseofhouston.com. Lots of stuff to talk about with the Rockets coming up in the playoffs, the Astros as well. Uh, you've got you know them starting off really hot to begin the season, so it's all on houseofhouston.com. Subscribe to my Houston Sports Talk podcast as well. Last week, we talked to David Hardesty from the Clutch Fans website. If I have a voice this week or somehow uh, can get it together, I'll I'll, I'll have something for you guys this week as well. But that's all we got for this show. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, uh, we really appreciate you making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah.